Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. I want to once again welcome you online, those of you in our online campus. Like Pastor Chris said, maybe you're watching from a a hotel on the road, and you're part of this church usually here. Maybe you're still um, confined to the house or something for COVID and all that stuff. Maybe you're watching from your weird uncle's house. And if it's your weird uncle's house and your weird uncle's now watching, don't even acknowledge it. Don't let him... Don't let him know that we know he's strange. But anyway, we're just so glad that you're here today. It is great to be together. It is Thanksgiving weekend 2020. Can you believe it? Has God been good to you? Has he been faithful to you? No matter what the enemy has meant to try to take you out. Listen, if the enemy could have taken you out this year, he would have. But you're still standing. And you're still here for a reason. Amen? Amen. Let's get right into the inerrant, the inspired, the infallible word of the living God that's able to change you, shift you, and grow you up. Amen. Amen. Today's message as we continue our thought on tsunami catching the next wave of revival. We're going to complete that series today. I don't know if you've enjoyed it, but I've really enjoyed it. In fact, I'm kind of not done, so have to meet. we may have to talk about revival again in January or February because there's so much still going on inside of me that it's, uh, it's not like a one-off kind of a teaching, okay? It's a lifestyle. Today's message, I'm going to follow it up with, is called Troubled by Turbulence. Troubled by Turbulence, and that will be self-explanatory as we get into it. Got a couple of passages for you to kind of weave together. Acts chapter 3 from the Amplified and Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 9. So anyway, Acts 3, 19 from the Amplified, verse 19 says this, So repent. Change your mind and purpose. Love that. Turn around and return to God that your sins may be erased, blotted out, wiped clean so that times of refreshing, of recovering from the effects of heat, of reviving with fresh air may come from the presence of the Lord. That's a lot. I want you to just think about that. If if you didn't uh, bring your Bible with you, I want you to write this down And check it out later, because this is a great thing to meditate on. So repent, change your mind and purpose, turn around and return to God, that your sins may be erased, blotted out, wiped clean, that times of refreshing and recovering from the effects of heat, of reviving with fresh air, may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send to you the Christ, the Messiah, who before was designated and appointed for you, even Jesus, whom heaven must receive and retain until the time for the complete restoration of all that God spoke by the mouth of all of his holy prophets for ages past. Man, that's a mouthful. I could, just, I could teach on that the whole rest of the time. But I want to weave in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 9. It says this, For the Lord's portion is his people. That's his inheritance. That's what he enjoys. The Lord's portion, the Lord's love and passion is his people. Jacob is the place of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in the wasteland, a howling wilderness. He encircled him. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. Then it says this. As an eagle stirs up its nest, 
hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings. So the Lord alone led him, Jacob, Israel, God's people, the church. And there was no foreign God with him. And he made him ride in the heights of the earth that he might eat the produce of the fields. He made him draw honey from the rock and oil from the flinty rock. Let's pray together one more time. God, would you open the eyes of our heart to understand these great passages of Scripture? Would you open our eyes to see them, to grab hold of them, and to take comfort in your promises? And we give you the praise and glory and honor. Holy Spirit, I am inadequate as a human being to bring this word you've given me to light. But I'll do my best. But I need you to turn the light of revelation on in the hearts of everyone who hears. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This whole month we've been talking about revival. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14 says, For the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. We said that revival is God's invasion of earth. It is a divine attack on society. And I believe there's a tsunami wave of God's glory about to hit the earth. I believe we're living in great days. I believe that when the darkness rises, what Isaiah says in chapter 60 is that, that God will rise over us stronger. Listen, God does things in contrast. Remember last week I showed you that what was the cloud by day to, uh, that, that, that covered and protected God's people when it shifted around the same cloud that brought light to God's people brought darkness to people that didn't know God. People that were the enemies of God. People that were attacking God's people. The same cloud that brought light to God's people brought darkness to the enemy. And I believe that's the time we live in. I think that one of the things I was thinking about for, for Thanksgiving as we give our testimonies around our table, what a privilege it is to be alive now. Do you know the Bible says that the Old Testament saints desired to see what the New Testament fulfillment would be in Christ? And we living in these last days are those that are privileged. Listen, if God has you here on the earth right now, in this time, it's for a reason. And he counted you worthy of being part of this historic time in the history of earth. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that awesome? What a privilege it is. If you could have ever picked a time and said, God, let me live in exciting times where things are happening cataclysmically all over the world and that you're going to show your glory to your people, man, this is it. What a privilege it is. You need to thank God today just for being alive. Say amen. Amen. <clears throat> amen. The tsunami wave is coming, but you have to prepare for it. God always alerts in advance through his prophetic voice. We said there must be a change. The children of Israel thought they were prepared to meet the presence of God for themselves. In Exodus 20, they said, Moses, we don't need you. Who do you think you are? We can go to God. Let him, let him draw near to us. We're ready for him. The Bible says when, the, when God drew near to the, to the earth and to the people, the children of Israel, the Bible says there was a lot of shaking a lot of earthquakes, mountains shook, the earth shook, everything trembled, and the people 
were in awe of God, and they said, no, don't let him come close to us. Moses, get back up on that mountain and go seek him again, because we don't, we don't want to, we, we can't take this. See, when God draws near in revival, my friends, there is pressure. There is tension. Don't be afraid of the tension or the pressure. Because all that is, is God getting ready to turn your light on and draw people to himself through you. Your witness and your testimony, (coughs) excuse me, can be more powerful than ever before. The sleeping giant, the body of Christ is waking up. We are repenting. We are seeing ourselves as God sees us. And we need to wake up. And we are waking up. Say amen. Amen. Now, as we move forward today, listen. Until this year, flying around the world is part of my grace. I mean, I love flying. I'm getting a little antsy, I'll be honest with you. The week before the lockdown... Um, I got home from Poland, my 75th nation, and came into this changing world. And now my wife just looks at me sometimes and says, you, you, you just need to fly somewhere, don't you? You, need, you, just, need to, you just need to go. Not that she's tired of me. She, she knows that part of my grace is to fly around the world. I've, been, I've flown millions of miles, literally. In fact, I know it's millions because I've flown almost 1.5 million just with Delta. And I've flown with a lot of other places to Australia and China and Asia many times and even Europe many times with other airlines. So I've got to be at probably 3 million miles, air miles around the world in my life. And so I've had some experiences with turbulence. I know what turbulence is. I, I know what it is to experience a smooth ride, and most of the time it is but to hit some rough air once in a while. Turbulence is like a roller coaster to me. I have to look at it that way or I'd be scared. But I have to look at it because when it, when it comes, there's bumps, there's turns, there's G-forces, there's pressure, there's ups and downs. Sometimes it's even downright terrifying, I'll be honest with you. The terrifying part is when the flight attendants react. To me, as long as the flight attendants are cool, they can be walking around like this and up and down the aisle, and they can be like, if they're cool, I'm cool. I've been in some airplanes where the flight attendants start freaking out and screaming. That's when you know you need to pray. And so I've been through those times, but when you, when you see folks without seatbelts buckled, thrown into the air in front of your eyes, Some even hit their heads on the ceiling. When you see blood spilled, when you see injuries, you know it's more than just turbulence. What I try to do is I try to usually just turn my praise music up louder in my ears, close my eyes and pray until it's over. But some people really, my my wife doesn't like turbulence. Uh, Her first flight, I got to be there with her on her first flight when we were 18 years old, we had just graduated high school, and my parents let my girlfriend go with me uh, to Bermuda, the the nation where my family stopped off from England in the 1500s. They stopped off in Bermuda, and there's a bunch of parent chiefs in Bermuda since the like 1600s, 1700s. And so we went there to search our roots, and she went with me. 
And we had this horrible flight. I think it was on the way back. I don't know if you remember. It was on the way back, and it was, it was serious turbulence. And it was in the middle of the day. We're serving dinner. This is back when you got steak dinner in coach. That's a long time ago. And uh, so we're having our dinner, and all of a sudden the turbulence hits, and, 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 and my then-girlfriend, she starts to freak out. She, she grabbed my arm. The only time I can relate to it, uh, later on she grabbed my arm like that when she was in labor, okay? So this was, this was she was freaking out. She was really uncomfortable. And so I, I think I've told the story before, but what I said was, I'm going to finish my steak. That's what I said. Because if we're going down, I'm not going to be hungry. <clears throat> That's exactly what happened. And so my... my uh, the rest of my family gave me their steak. So I had a feast while this thing going because they're like, turn, my dad was turning green. He was like seasick, nauseous. And, um, and my mother and I were the only two that kept eating. I'll just tell you the resolve in, the, in, the, in that part of the family. But anyway, turbulence makes you do different things. And the threat of, you know, when it's really, really bad, I mean... I mean, I've led some people to the Lord in turbulence, I'll just tell you, because people will freak out. Every life journey experiences some turbulence. Everybody goes through it sometimes, even if you don't fly on an airplane, because life has bumps. Life has rough air. We talked about the promise shaking in this month. God allows us to wake up in the shaking sometimes from spiritual laziness and slumber. Your true character will be exposed during the turbulent times. That's what you have to know. It's during COVID crisis that you find out where leaders really are. It's you find out where people's faith really is. It's you find out what people are really expecting, what they're really living out, what their hope is in. The greatest leaders and the greatest people are revealed during the worst situations, aren't they? One of the words we've been talking about this month is the word awakening. And as I was studying this week, I got the text from Deuteronomy 32 that talks about God's relationship with his people. And if it was his relationship with the children of Israel, it's even more so through Jesus, the relationship he has with his church. And it shows us that when you're the apple of God's eye, and that, 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 term, that term, the apple of God's eye, the apple of his eye, is a term of endearment that means his favorite. When, you're, when, when your grandchildren or your children are the apple of your eye, they're your favorite. And I'll just tell you, I love all five of my grandchildren, but the one that's with me is my favorite. Every time, because I can't pick. I, can't, I could never choose which one I love the most right now. Getting to know my, uh, in fact, my, my, latest, my youngest granddaughter now three months old today. Kylan's already three months old. So I'm spending as much time as I can with her, just holding her and just starting trying to get her to laugh. She's just getting to that smiley, laughy stage. And then my oldest grandson, Cole, is 11 and a half, almost 12. And I'm like, you can't believe it. I just love all of them so much. They're the apple of my eye. And you know if you have grandkids, if you have kids, well, I say kids too, kids too. But grandkids, it's just, you know, if you, the grandparents in the room will know what I'm talking about. It's just, it's to, the, it's to the 10th power. You love your kids. You can't love them anymore. But when they bring you grandkids, you, there's, something, there's a love that goes up for your kids. 
It's just this magnificent mystery of God. And the Bible says that when you're the apple of God's eye, his most special, he'll do three things, the scripture says in the text. Number one, he'll encircle you. I love that. He'll be around you. He'll hang with you. He'll be in your circle. You'll be in his circle. Number two, he'll instruct you. He'll teach you some stuff about life. And number three, this is kind of interesting. He'll take care of you like a father or mother eagle takes care of their eaglets. Baby eagles are called eaglets. The Bible says in the scripture, in Deuteronomy 32 verse 11, that the eagle stirs up its nest. It stirs up its nest, okay? As an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings, so the Lord alone led him or them. Here's the interesting thing. The word stirs up there in the Hebrew is, a, is, is the Hebrew word or. It's spelled U-R, but it's pronounced or. Stirs up. The Lord oars his children like a father, like, a, like an eagle stirs up his nest. And the word means this, to stir up, excite, raise up, awaken, arouse to action, or to heat up something to become alert or watchful. Keep that up there for a moment. The Bible says that God wants to revive you or awaken you like an eagle wakes up its young. Now that's really cool. It's really interesting, but it's even more so if you kind of look at it. You know, I spent a couple of hours this week just looking at uh, some of the National Geographic videos on eagles with their young. Wow, what an eye-opening experience that is. Check it out on YouTube sometime, <clears throat> some of those things. Let me tell you how the eagle, you want to know how, how much God loves you? Here is how an eagle deals with its young. In this one that I saw, this is really cool, there were three baby eaglets. They were reaching, they weren't newborn chicks, obviously, but they were reaching a place of maturity. But the most, so the three on the nest, and they'd never been out of the nest yet. And the parent eagle, mother or daddy, flies in, an American bald eagle, flies into the nest and begins to, First, they fed them, you know, the, 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 you know uh, breaking up the food and then regurgitating into their mouth. That's kind of gross, isn't it? You know, it's kind of, it reminds me of Thanksgiving dinner. But anyway, no, 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 no. No, it's, it's one of those things where the, the eagle comes in and what it does, the Bible says it hovers over and it literally, when it's time for the babies to learn to fly, the, the parent eagle just goes crazy flapping its wings and creating this turbulence, this wind. And in the video, one of the ones that I saw, there's three, they're, they're triplets, three triplets, but the one is a little bit bigger and more mature. And the parent, the, the, let's just say Mama Eagle, she goes toward the, the most mature one and starts flapping like this until the eaglet falls off. And you think, oh my goodness, that poor baby. Until about 30, 40 seconds later, you see that 
fly back and land. And you realize that God sometimes creates turbulence to get you to grow. To get you to grow up and say, hey, it's time for the next level. It's time for your flying lesson. It's time for you to go to the next level with what I've called you to do and who I've called you to be. That's the first signal that the babying is over. No more catching your prey, bringing it home and chewing your food for you. It's like the parent eagle senses inside, I love you so much, you have to grow up now. You have to learn to fly like an eagle. Not the song, like, like fly like an eagle. You have to learn to fly. The rest of the verse talks about the flying lesson, that the mama spreads out her wings. Once she's got your attention, she's after the turbulence, then she puts out her wings. And with the other two eaglets, so with the most mature, she just pushed them right out of the nest. With the other two, she took them one at a time and opens her wing and lets them hop on. They were going to go for a ride. And the Bible says, the Bible says in that scripture that the eagle then takes its baby eaglet all the way up as high as it can go. What we know from nature and nature videos and all the studies of eagles now is that those less mature eagles are taken up to the highest point and they're dropped. They're basically dropped in the air and made, forced to learn to fly. Now, the normal eaglet doesn't always get it the first time. The parent, the mama eagle, waits till just before the crash. So they drop the baby eagle out, and the eagle goes, ah, mama, what are you doing? Until the last second, mama swoops in, if they didn't fly the first time, grabs them and gets her on her wing again. Oh, baby eagle's like, oh, mama, I thought you were going to let me hit the rock. I thought I was a goner. No, no, no. I'm going to take you up real high again. And then dip the wing and drop you off. Have you ever felt like God did that to you? I want you to know it wasn't God being mean. It was God creating the maturity in you to know that you can soar. That you can rise above. That you can fly. That you can become all that God called you to be. That mama catches her young and she'll lather, rinse, repeat until that baby flies. She'll keep dumping that baby off and then catching it at the last second until finally that bird fly, puts its own wings out and says, oh, I can do this too. God has so much more for you and for me than we've ever seen yet. But it's going to take the courage to spread our wings and fly. I don't think it's a coincidence that the symbol of America is the American bald eagle. I don't think it's a coincidence that there are prophetic words in Scripture, not just that one, but other places, about what God is going to do with the eagle. 
And I believe that that understanding of the turbulence, the pressure, the tension, and even sometimes the dropping off and catching, this is revival. This is revival. I've just described for you revival. Aren't you glad you've been praying for revival? Aren't you glad you've been praying for revival? You didn't know what you're praying for. I've been trying to tell you. But turbulence is the proof that it's God's time for you to grow up. Now, when God brings revival to a nation or people, he blesses his people with a call to return to six specific commitments. I'm just going to mention these real quickly. Number one, revival throughout history has meant a return to six priorities. Number one, the authority of Scripture. My friends, I told you in March, as we were going into this thing, our theme was called True-ish. And I told you that it's not just about the truth setting you free, the truth you understand. It's about absolute truth in a world that doesn't believe there are absolutes anymore. In the world that's gone nuts, and this year is the proof of it, they're, 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 the whole um, moral relativism has produced a generation that in crisis doesn't have any true north, any compass bearings. That's why people are freaking out still. That's why, listen, the things are the way they are. We navigate, we trust God, we believe God. No matter what's going on, we believe him. And I believe what God wants to do. Make sure, listen, here's what I told you in March. It's not enough to say you believe that the Bible is true. You have to believe, you have to have a world and life view that you see everything in this world through the eyes of Scripture, through the faith, your faith in God. It's not, there's no compartments. So I love that my grandkids are doing homeschool and having a Christian education. My gosh, they're using some of the ABECA curriculum, some of these different curriculums. Our kids had Christian education. There's nothing like it because you're getting all this mishmash, watered-down, anti-American, anti-Christian, anti-Christ stuff out there in schools and in the world and taught that there's no, there, there is no truth. It depends on the situation. Thank God for a constitution. Thank God for America. Thank God for founding fathers. Thank God for the for the Mayflower Compact we talked about a few weeks ago. Thank God for our covenant with him. Thank God for what he wants to do because even in the middle of the craziness, God is faithful to his people and we have to have a world in life view that says that our God, is the, he's, he's the center of everything. In, in, in the kids' education, they're learning that Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit is the center of math philosophy, physics, sports, everything revolves around Jesus. We're, this is not a Sunday morning thing. This is an all-encompassing thing. So we got to get back in revival to the authority of Scripture. Number two, we got the, the second of the six specific commandments historically is this, belief in the centrality of the cross of Jesus. That the blood of Jesus provides freedom. The real, true freedom we need is found through the personal sacrifice of Jesus Christ and accepting him as your Lord and as your Savior. Number three, when, you, when revival uh, 
is beginning to be experienced. There's an increased devotional life and a return to personal holiness. Let me talk about that for a minute. You know, in your devotions, is God an afterthought? Is he, are, you, are you just a Sunday morning stop by kind of a person? We saw some things this week that sent around to a few pastors. There was a, a pastor's gathering somewhere and they were talking about through all that's happened this year in the world and in America. And these pastors were talking about a Barna Research or Tom Rainer who studies church life, a study recently that shows that 70% of pastors in America right now are thinking about getting another job and leaving the ministry, 70%. And part of their reason is because of depression. I mean, we've lost a lot of pastors, we've been talking about the last couple of years, to suicide. Pastors, people who know God. And part of the whole thing is this, that this one guy said, it's as if in the last eight months, 60% of our people have ghosted us. That you can watch us online and think, hey, I'm still there. I'm still with you, pastor. I'm, I may not be watching on Sunday morning. I may be watching at my convenience. I may be, I may be there. I'm with you, pastor. But, but to us, you're our people. You're our community. To you, you can feel like you're a viewer. To us, if we don't hear from you, if we, don't, if we don't receive your encouragement, if we don't receive your financial support, if we don't receive your uh, stopping by or coming in or letting us know what you're thinking about, in all these ways you can do that. When we don't know that, we feel, we feel a little downcast because we've sown our lives to pour into you and you can kind of take us or leave us right now. But we don't know because to, to us, we're a community. You're our family. That's how we see you. You're our family. And it'd be like, how would you feel if your family just disappeared in March and didn't show up after Thanksgiving? And I'm concerned about the body of Christ when I hear that number, 70%. I almost, that's almost too awful to believe, to comprehend. Please pray for your pastors. Not, not just pray for us. Pray for the pastors in America. Pray for the churches right now. My friend, Pastor Manny Cabazuto and his wife Miriam have COVID. And they're battling. They've been, they've, it's gotten into pneumonia. Been praying for, for him all week. And now his wife has it. They're right here in Ocala. God, help our pastors. Bless our pastors. Encourage them. Bring healing to Pastor Manny and Pastor Miriam, our dear friends in Jesus' name. Number four, when God revives a nation, he calls us to return to renewed spiritual authority of biblical preaching from the pulpit. Where there's revival, there's preaching under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, about the Holy Spirit, in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. That we need to be, we need to be courageous enough to preach the word and preach the truth no matter who gets upset about it. And that's not happening until revival comes. Number five, I love this, explosive witnessing and discipleship. Explosive witnessing and discipleship. 
When revival is fully here and we're fully in it, you will be more bold than you've ever been to share your faith with somebody else. Thank you for that overwhelming response. Proof we need revival right there. I'm not about going witnessing. I'm talking about being witnesses. That when you are in revival, when God is moving around you and circling you and causing that turbulence to wake you up and get you to soar and fly, it's going to be in this area that you will begin to witness and share your faith with people boldly and love people boldly and help equip them, bring them to church with you, find a way to get them here, find a way to get them discipled, get them in next steps, that you equip them, that you help them. See, the problem is we get so into ourselves and so isolated and, 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 dis, and dissected and, and put in different sections. Let me tell you something. God, in this coming year, I predict and prophesy that God is going to be bringing his church together stronger than we've ever been, stronger and connected and witnessing and sharing and bringing new people with us. I declare that to you. I believe it with all my heart. Number six and last on this is corporate social change that results from individual spiritual transformation. We talked a little bit about reformation last week. When revival is fully, when we're immersed in it, when we're engaged in revival, we will see social change. We will see more bold preaching and declaration that actually brings a conviction of sin and causes people to repent. And we begin to bring the standard back to the biblical standard of what truth and morality really is. We need that. And we can't do that. We can't do that of ourselves. That's got to be a move of God. Amen? That's got to be a move of God. I believe God wants to do great things. I believe he wants to do some powerful things in us. I, I, if, I, I, if I can have five, can I have five more minutes? How many will give me five more minutes? Okay. Five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 15, no, no, no. That's an old joke. Um, Charles Finney wrote, I'm not going to preach this. I'm just going to share it real quickly because I want to finish the main part of the teaching for the month. Charles Finney, the great, the great revivalist, said there were seven indicators of revival to him. Number one, when the sovereignty of God indicates that revival is near. In other words, there's a, there's a wooing of the Holy Spirit. You're going to start, you're sensing it. You're hearing more about it. When the sovereignty of God <clears throat> indicates revival is near. Number two, when wickedness grieves and humbles Christians. Let's talk about that for a second. My friends, I think one of the reasons why we need revival, one of the proofs that we need revival is because we've become so desensitized to the abhorrent perversion and twistedness of our own culture that we've accepted. Listen, we are to love people, but we're to hate demons. And there is a way to carry that, to really love people, which we always seek to do in this church, but to also have power over the demonic realm and know what's going on in the spirit realm where you can actually help somebody to get set free. I believe part of our prayer is to, to get back to the basics of, of the morality 
that build the, that build the spiritual wall that protects us. When wickedness grieves and humbles us as Christians, instead of judging it, that we grieve for the people that are trapped in it. Not to point our finger, oh, we're better than you. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a brokenness in prayer that says, my God, how can that young person not know who they are and not even know the basics of their identity? That should cause us to grieve. should cause us to cry out to God for mercy for them. Amen? Number three, where there is a spirit of prayer. Finney said this, where there's a spirit of prayer for revival, revival is coming. Man, I love that. Why? Because we've been in a spirit of prayer for revival and we're, and we're sensing God more and more. And if you're hearing from God, if you're open to God at all, then you're opening your heart and God is beginning to woo you in that. And there's a spirit of prayer. It's not just praying a prayer. It's not just doing a prayer. There's a spirit of prayer. You, you, you start tapping into and it gets easier and easier to pray because your heart is so soft and grieving for people that are broken. Number four, when the intention of ministers, pastors, and spiritual leaders is directed toward revival and spiritual awakening. Hello? That's happening. It's not just me. It's, so, it's happening around the world. When many voices begin to call forth revival, you know the Spirit of God is calling forth revival. Number five, when Christians confess their sins more openly to God and to one another. This is interesting. This is Charles Finney. This is history. Finney said, when Christians confess their sins more openly to God, instead of hiding them, when they're ashamed of them. See, here's, here's, here's a message I, I want to preach in 2021. What happened to shame? What happened to things that used to embarrass us that we now do openly and shout about and do it in God's face like we don't care? What happened to shame? And it's not us to make people shame. It's, it's the basics of conscience. That we've overridden our conscience so much as a people that we don't even know. The Bible says we have our consciences seared with a hot iron. We burnt the nerve endings off. So we can't even feel conviction. Because we're so busy justifying. Well, because my, my, well, I have a friend and they're this and they're going through that and they're not so bad. They even say they love God. Big whoop. When we get back, see, it's not about experiencing. Listen, we all know somebody who's struggling with something. That's not our issue. It's when we start justifying their sin without Jesus. The only one that can justify sin is Jesus. The only one, because he took it and he justified it and make it just as if you never did it in the exchange at the cross. My five minutes is almost up. Number six. Oh, here's a biggie. Here's a call for now church. Finney said this. When Christians are willing to make the sacrifices necessary to carry out the new movement of God's spirit. My friends, be forewarned and forearmed. Revival is work. Revival is hard work. You may have to be at church a little more often than you are right now. Ooh, but I'm busy. I got to be watching The Bachelor. I got to be watching my shows. 
Great. I like watching shows too, but what's your priorities? When Christians are willing to make the necessary sacrifices, Pastor, don't say that word. Sacrifices? Whisper it, Pastor. No, I want to shout about it. Sacrifices. Why? Because in sacrifice, the glory falls. When we went to Brazil in, uh, in the early 2000s, Brazil was in revival from the 90s. Our team will tell you, when we went in the middle of revival in Brazil in the early 2000s, they were having seven services a day, seven days a week to take care of all the people that, want, that got saved and need to be at church. Am I telling the truth? Seven services a day, seven days a week. And you're worried about if, if we have a third service here? I'm not worried about it. I'm almost 60 years old. I'm not worried about it. Because that's like three 20-year-old preachers. That's a joke. I got the energy of three 20-year-olds. Number seven and last. When the ministers and lay leaders of churches are willing for God to promote spiritual awakening by whatever instrument he pleases. In other words, when we're not fighting over who gets the credit. Well, I said this. Well, that's my revelation. Well, I preached that. What about you? No. Finney said, when revival is really ready, when revival is breaking forth, one of the signs is everybody is putting forth revelation and the power of God and nobody cares who gets the credit because it all, the glory only goes to God. All the glory only goes to God. Can you say amen? amen? Don't be troubled by turbulence. Turbulence may be just, just that, that eagle. I know that these photographers are going to be taking crazy pictures of me right now. <laughs> the eagle, if he's fluttering in your face, if you're feeling the change of the direction of the wind, it's because he's about to knock you out of your little comfort zone and teach you to soar. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Holy Spirit, would you come and move in this place? Would you move through every person that's watching us today and connecting with us on our online campus right now? Father, we need you. Holy Spirit, have your way. Help me to be bold enough. Help us all to be bold enough to say what you want us to say, to be who you want us to be. Break our hearts afresh for people that are in bondage. Break our hearts afresh for those that even seem to be enemies of the cross. Let us embrace the souls who become Paul's in our day. Those who start out, that are right now, at this moment, the enemies of the cross, God-haters, Christian-haters, Lord, I ask you to knock them off their high horse and reveal your light to them. That blinding light that their darkness would be removed. Father, forgive our sins. Forgive our complacency. Forgive our apathy and our prayerlessness. And come, Holy Spirit, and heal our land. We are a nation 
divided and at war with ourselves. And the only answer is you. The only answer is a change of heart. The only answer is that your spirit would move by your grace. In the name of Jesus, help us to fly. Help us to rise above on the currents of the wind. Help us to rise above all these storms and be who you've called us to be. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we give you praise. We give you honor. We glorify your name. Lord, draw people to Jesus today that have been so hardened in their hearts by their life experience and through their turbulence. Bring healing today. Bring deliverance today from every demonic spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Can you have bowed just for a moment? The presence of God is moving. Holy Spirit, touch your people. If you're here today, you're watching, listening, would you quit putting off the full surrender of your heart? It's like some people are taking the, they're like inch by inch. Okay, I'm getting closer to God. Okay, it's not inch by inch. There, there, comes, a, there comes a moment where you don't just ease your way in, where you jump in, where you jump out of the nest, trusting in the love of your God. Listen, if you're inching your way, it's because you don't trust God yet. But I promise you this, God is good. We sang about him earlier. He is a good God. He is good. He is good. He is great. He is mighty. And he is loving. And the thing you're trying to hide is the very thing he's trying to heal. If you're here today, say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to give my heart to Jesus fully. I want to be without reservation, just I don't want to segment God. I want to, I want to know God for myself. Whether you're in the room or whether you're watching online, connecting with us, I want you to just lift your hand up right now. Just lift your hand up right now and say, yes, that's me. I need God in my life. I need, I need this full surrender. I need the full pardon. I need God's presence. I need revival. Father, you see the hands that are raised. You see the hearts that are open. Would you come, Holy Spirit, and move in every person whose hand is raised and heart is open and reveal Jesus and fill them with your power. Those of you with your hands raised, would you just say this out loud with me? In fact, everybody, just say it out loud right now. Just say, Jesus, I want to know you. Forgive me for my sin, my struggle. Help me to trust you. I give you my heart and I ask you to change me. Forgive me of my sin and wash me. Teach me to fly. Teach me to rise above. In Jesus' name, amen. If you meant that prayer right there, those of you in the room, you meant that prayer, I'm telling you, God will meet you at your point of faith and he'll touch your life. Don't be afraid of the turbulence. 
It's just God getting you ready for the next level. Amen? Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.